Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. I am today reviewing book 12 in the Wicker series. Can you believe that we have reached the heady heights of book 12? I certainly can because I felt every minute of it and uh, specifically by it I mean this week when I decided to read just like five of these books back to back because I realised that I've been lagging behind a little bit on my to read pile and needed to make a very quick dent. Now, I did want to mention something that actually came up in the Origins book, which is the previous one to this one. But in that book, a lot of sweeping happens. Uh, every time Rose does like a circle, she has a broom and she sweeps uh, the circle space outside to purify it, which I have no problem with. Uh, but and, and she also says at one point, I think, like, sweep, 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 because she's sweeping and narrating her actions um and i was literally reading that thinking is that why the book series is called sweep in america because this is the first time anyone has swept anything and it was in book 11 and then i started to think maybe origins have been the first book in the series originally because it's the one like set quite far back in time and maybe they just like moved it to book 11 when they came up with like the whole morgan plot thing and they were like oh no we'll, we'll reveal this later I was really confused because, as I said before, I have no idea why this series would be called Sweep. But apparently the, the only v reference I can find to actual sweeping is in book 11. So if you were looking forward to that, then read book 11. I read this book mostly at home, but also while I was like trapped in my car for an hour waiting for a jumble sale to start. So uh, I read it quite quickly. And... Um, I would have to say I was a little bit disappointed. I kind of knew that after the dizzying heights of reading Origins and having a new protagonist and it being slightly more interesting, that we were obviously going back to Morgan in this book and I don't find her particularly interesting. And also I feel like her story has been going on for quite a while and so I've had quite a long time to get bored of her. And uh, I was kind of right because this book did bore me a little bit. So Eclipse is again formatted differently to preceding books we saw some format changes obviously in seeker and the book origins this one follows on from that with a different format it is in alternating chapters between morgan's perspective and Alyssa's perspective you might remember that Alyssa is that telekinetic girl who no one knew was telekinetic in the book strife and that i had kind of an issue with so two books later we are finally getting back to the Alyssa story and hopefully you know shedding some light on what the fuck was going on there and in place of the longer diary entries from specific people at the beginning of each chapter, we now have a very short paragraph, sort of like a quote, really, more than an actual like entry at the beginning of each chapter, all of them by different people. So you've got like uh, Melissa Felton, California, 1996. You've got Doris Grafton, New York, 1972. Clyda Roxbull, Albert Swift wales 1964 uh, and like back and back and back so it starts very far back in the past and then we come towards the present the further we go through the book i was quite happy to have chap uh, chapters from Alyssa's perspective in this book because she's slightly more interesting to me um i've kind of been trying to find some common ground with morgan to like her because i kind of feel like she was meant to be the everyman the bella swan of the series who teenage girls can identify with and therefore she wasn't ever going to be a particularly standout character because her purpose is to be characterless so that the reader can like impose their own personality over her. But I kind of vibed a lot more with Alyssa because she's a half witch and she has kind of like a not idyllic 
home life in that her dad is getting remarried and his wife is quite young and she's pregnant and there's a lot of tension in the family home. Morgan, I feel like, was told that she was special from book one, whereas Alyssa isn't that I'm the special one protagonist. She's very kind of normal and average and she's only just found out quite late in the game that she actually has powers, which I'll get into in a moment. The actual plot of Eclipse focuses on uh, the Dark Wave coming to Widow's Veil. Now, of course, the Dark Wave was already meant to come to Widow's Veil to wipe out Starlocket, but Starlocket got kind of a stay of execution a couple of books ago. So now the Dark Wave is coming for Kithic, which is Morgan's coven, and it's coming for, you know, her, her family, all the other blood witches in the coven. It's basically going to kill everyone she knows and loves, which is obviously a big deal. Unfortunately, I didn't really feel like it was a big deal because for all that the Dark Wave has been talked about a lot in the series, I still don't really have a clear idea of what it is or how it works. Um, in the first books, we were kind of introduced to it as the thing that had destroyed Morgan's birth parents' coven. And I sort of thought that that was maybe an isolated incident. But then we find out that it's something that's been loosed on quite a lot of witches and it's controlled by the Woodbane coven Amaranth and maybe various other Woodbanes as well. Uh, and in the first book it's kind of talked about, or I don't know if it is in the first book, but at the beginning of the series it's talked about as this thing that swept through the village, it killed everybody and left that village a ghost town. But then it's also talked about as being like a horde of demons and also being a wave of dark energy. I wasn't really sure how to like picture it in my head for starters and also I wasn't really sure how it was done because it seems previously that it's kind of a blunt instrument you know they took out this entire village with it um, but in this one it seems to be particularly aimed um, at Morgan and the other blood witches and their families. Uh, there's also symptoms to it now so if the dark wave is coming for you you apparently feel sick and things start to die around you, like plants and things, which I don't know if that's been mentioned before, but I, it didn't ring a bell with me. So I had kind of a problem with the core concept of this book, being that I didn't really understand what the Dark Wave was, even though people keep trying to tell me what it is, but it seems like what they say varies from book to book. But anyway, the plot of this is that the Dark Wave is a, the Dark Wave is a coming, and Morgan and her ragtag group of friends who tell her not to use magic once again decides that magic has to be used to try and avert this catastrophe the mastermind behind this dark wave uh, is kieran who is morgan's father uh, birth father and he turns up to say you know join me or be destroyed in a very kind of sith type way and this really surprised me because if you've listened to the previous episodes or god forbid read some of the previous books I think we were led to believe that Kieran had been captured. In Eclipse, on page six, um, Kieran pops up in a sort of vision to Morgan and says, I've dismantled the watch sigil. So, you know, he's taken this mark off of him that Morgan planted on him so that the council could track him. So then obviously everyone goes, oh my God, we don't know where Kieran is. We don't know what he could be planning. Which would be fine if back in everyone's favourite book in the series, book nine, Strife, <laughs> We hadn't been told that he'd actually been arrested, or I thought we'd been told that. So I went back to that book to try and find the section that I had apparently misread. And on page 172, uh, we hear this 
section from Hunter giving a witch message to Morgan. We have Kieran. For a moment they were words without meaning. I had spent the last several hours worrying about Alyssa, terrified that I'd somehow hurt her, so it took me a moment to remember that there were other terrors in my life. Then images came into my mind. Images of my birth father being bound by the bray, of him crying out in pain, and I knew that Hunter was telling me that Kieran had been apprehended by the council. A thousand emotions rained down on me, relief first, but then anger and pity and fear, and other feelings that I couldn't even identify. Kieran's dark magic frightened and revolted me, but he was my father, the closest blood relative I had ever known. And when I remembered what I knew of witches who had had their powers stripped, David Redstone, who had suffered horribly, or even how awful I felt when my own powers were reigned, I felt a horrible dread in the pit of my stomach. My father, my evil father, captured and utterly changed. He will be stripped of his magic soon, Hunter's voice said in my mind. First, he must stand trial. But Morgan, apparently he had a few things in his possession that led the council to conclude that he definitely was targeting you for attacks. So that's page 172 of Strife. They definitely say that they have Kieran, that he has been captured and that he will be stripped soon. So I was wondering, like, what does it mean that he's taken the watch sigil off of him? Because that's how they tracked him to catch him. But they've caught him. So him dismantling it and getting it off him means that, OK, can't find him. But we haven't never been told that he escaped. It seems like Eclipse is telling us that the council were maybe watching him, maybe tracking him. But now they can't do that anymore. So they don't know where he's gone. Whereas previously we were told that he was in custody. So I don't know if that's a plot hole or if I'm just not reading this in the way that the author intended it to be written. But it is very confusing to me and... That kind of ruined the rest of the book for me because the whole time I was sitting there thinking, but this isn't what happened. This is based on a change to the established like canon of the series. This is inconsistent and it's annoying me. So that was predictably quite annoying to me. And to be honest, from that point on, I didn't really have much time for Morgan's storyline about the whole dark wave thing. Because one, it felt like it was based on stuff that didn't match up with what I'd previously been told in other books. Two, I didn't really understand what the dark wave was about to begin with. I couldn't really picture it in my head. And three, I mean, come on. It's not like we ever thought that they were actually going to get obliterated by the dark wave because it's a teen fiction series and there's still more books left to go. It's not going to actually come and kill anyone. So my sense of danger there was quite limited. However, moving over to Alyssa's storyline, I did actually enjoy that a bit more. So I'm going to talk about that. Alyssa... As we know from reading everyone's favourite book in the series, Book Nine, Strife, has some powers that she has apparently inherited from her birth mother. Um, I say birth mother. The, her birth mother is the person that she knew as her mum, but she died when she was very young. So there we go. Uh, her mother apparently had these telekinetic abilities that she couldn't control, very much like Carrie. Her mum was also a blood witch, a rowan wand, who were basically the Ravenclaws of the series. They like books, a big huggy bunch. So her mum bound her powers after nearly killing her brother Sam and then apparently was disowned by her family for, you know, not being a witch basically anymore. So she moved away. She married Alyssa's dad, had Alyssa and then tragically died. All that time, she never spoke about her family as far as Alyssa and I guess her dad knew she was estranged from them and they never made contact with them at all. Alyssa in Strife was exhibiting those same uncontrolled telekinetic abilities, a fact which no one else cottoned onto and they seem to blame Morgan for no real reason at all but I talked about that in that review so I'm not going to harp on about it it was just annoying so Alyssa is still a bit scared of magic she thinks magic is bad and scary and that Morgan is bad and scary for having these uncontrolled powers 
However, when she's over at Morgan's house with Morgan's sister, Mary Kay, she sees a book poking out of Morgan's backpack and Morgan tells her that it's a book of shadows that she recently purchased or was given, I think, as a gift by the proprietors of Practical Magic, the Wicker Shop. And it's a 1970s book of shadows. And as soon as I found out like the date of it, I realised it was probably the book of shadows of, I think, Sarah Curtis was her name, which is Alyssa's mum. Alyssa feels compelled to take the book, which she does. She steals it, takes it home, reads it and realises while reading it, hey, this woman has the same name as my mum. She's writing about going to the same place as my mum, where she met my dad, and her favourite things being like the scent of lilacs, when my mum really liked lilacs, they were her favourite flower, and a whole string of other coincidences. But in the course of reading this book, she realises that this Sarah Curtis has a brother, and she has always known or thought she knew that her mother was an only child. She picks up, after reading this book, her mum's jewellery box, which is one of the few things that she has left of her mother, and lo and behold, finds a secret compartment in it, which contains a bunch of letters from her mum's brother, so her uncle, Sam, which seem to confirm that her mum was in fact a witch, because they're talking about magic and spells and witch stuff. This obviously throws Alyssa for a loop, and she has to try and deal with the fact that not only is her mother a witch, which she didn't know, but she is now a half-witch, and she knows that. Uh, and also that the scary things that have been happening, that have been turning her away from Wicca, have actually been caused by her and not Morgan. Finally, someone realised this. Although, to be fair, she doesn't exactly go rushing to tell the other characters about it, so that's also kind of annoying. I thought it was quite interesting reading about Alyssa recently discovering her powers, because it felt like way back at the beginning of the Wicca series when we were getting these interesting little discoveries about Morgan's family but it felt newer and fresher because obviously it was happening to a new character it was about new stuff not the same old gubbins about dark waves and wood veins so it was a little bit more interesting to me I also found the content of the letters that Sam had sent his sister a little bit interesting because there was some stuff in there about maybe why she'd been disowned and all of that so I'm hoping that gets explored more. It also challenged some of the lore that we've previously known about the series, namely that a female witch is apparently not able to get pregnant by a, uh, a human male, and that a male witch who sleeps with a human woman usually produces children that have very little to no magical talent. But apparently that wasn't the case because Alyssa's mother was a witch and her dad is not and she was born and she has powers in fact she has more powers than a half witch technically should have even if such a thing were possible to be created and Hunter's dad theorizes that this is because her mother bound her own powers so because she wasn't using them because they were just like trapped inside of her when she had Alyssa she gave birth to technically not a half witch, but a one and a half witch, which is one, my favourite order at any restaurant, one and a half sandwiches, and two, quite an interesting concept. Now, the way that this ties back into the whole Dark Wave storyline is that Hunter's dad has finally been able to come up with a spell to combat the Dark Wave using the diary that we got to read in the, the previous book, Origins. But the person who says the spell to counteract the Dark Wave will probably die because it kills witches. Fair enough. And obviously, with Alyssa being a half-witch, they reckon that she'll be able to survive the process of casting the spell, which kind of counteracts what they said about her being like a one-and-a-half witch, but 
I was prepared to roll with it. So Morgan manages to use a trailing plotline from previous books, which is that she knows her father's true name and therefore can command him with it. She uses that to imprison Kieran so that he can have his powers bound. But then the Dark Wave is still coming for them because I guess the rest of his coven were still doing it. And so Alyssa has to leap into action and perform this very complicated spell to neutralise the Dark Wave. Again, I didn't 100% really understand the theory behind this. I felt like it wasn't very explained because there was so much going on in the book that we didn't have a lot of time. Um, basically, in action, it appears that the Dark Wave kind of arrives and at the moment it enters the area where they are. She creates one of those like weird sucky holes to the underworld that Hunter's dad was obsessed with in Seeker and basically pushes the Dark Wave into it and it gets nommed out of existence, which doesn't seem so far out of left field that no other witch for the last couple of hundred years would have ever thought of doing it, quite frankly. It seems a little bit strange. Um, we're also told that to target the Dark Wave no, to target the counteracting spell at the person or to at the dark wave being created by a specific person, you need something that belongs to them. And they use Kieran's watch, even though, I mean, the rest of his coven is apparently also doing the dark wave, but they didn't have anything of theirs. And the dark wave was somehow able to target them without them having, I guess, bits of all of the other witches that they were targeting with the dark wave. That all made very little sense to me and was kind of confusing, but... I cared so little that I didn't care that I didn't understand, if you see what I mean. Something that Kieran reveals before his powers are taken away is that he believes Morgan to be a sort of fabled, prophesized person. And that has another incomprehensible name that I'm going to try and say. So basically the conversation they have goes thusly. He says, you possess the power to devastate anything in your path or to create unimaginable beauty. And she says, no, I don't. Why do you think that I'm not even initiated? You just don't understand, do you? He said sharply. You don't understand who you are, what you are. You're the last witch of Bellwicket. You're my daughter. You're the Segur's dam. The what? I mean, that was my reaction as well. And he says, the fated scourge, the destroyer. The signs say that it's you, Morgan. The destroyer comes every several generations to change the course of her clan. This time it's you who will change the course of the Woodbanes, just as your great ancestor rose centuries ago. So basically that's why he's very, Morgan will join me or she will be destroyed, because he wants her power on his side so that obviously his Woodbane coven and all that doesn't get decimated if she chooses the side of good. It seems like he's taken a really stupid way of going about that. Kind of reminds me of a lot of mythological stories where people get told, this thing will be your downfall. And they're like, okay, then I will hunt it down and kill it before it can be. But in that sense, they ironically cause their own downfall. Like, if I was told, like, Italy will be your downfall, I'd be like, cool, I'm never going to go there. Not, I'm going to go there and destroy the country. <laughs> it just made, again, not very much sense to me. But apparently we've now found out that Morgan is even more special than we were previously led to believe. She's, yeah, some sort of ancient prophesized person who's going to change the fate of Woodbanes forever. Whatever that will look like, only time will tell. The climax of the book is kind of rushed because they have all the stuff where they trap Kieran and strip his powers and then in like the last 20 pages they realise that the Dark Grave is still coming so Alyssa has to like do the spell. But then right at the end it is revealed that Hunter is planning on leaving the council and stopping being a seeker which is 
kind of a huge deal um because that's basically what he's been the whole time in the book series and i think it will maybe bring things with the council to a head because i'm not entirely sure if we're meant to think that kieran wasn't captured by the council or maybe if he was and escaped and they just didn't tell hunter but if that is the case then he has justifiable reason to be pissed so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next book the next book is called reckoning and appears to be from what i can see of the blurb which is again not very long uh, about Alyssa and potentially about Alyssa confronting her mother's family and maybe that causing some issues so I'm excited to get into that one it is the first of the last three books because it's the 13th the last two are on order and I plan to read those soon so we'll soon be done with the Wicker series guys and I'm looking for some new recommendations on other Teen Witch series so Drop me a line on Twitter if you have any recommendations. And in the meantime, also let me know if you have read any of these books, if you have a reason why they might be called Sweep, because I'm struggling. And if you have any information as to whether Kieran was actually arrested or not, because I'm still confused about that. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.